You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Adam Jocelyn. What's going on? 2020 Daytona 500 winner, Chris Scales. Good evening. 2020 Daytona 500 winner, David Hall. One among many. Greg Hectus. Does that mean I failed? Yep. Tony Groves. Howdy, gentlemen. And Judd Danielson, our hey. special guest. Good to be here. Hey, welcome, Judd. Uh, happy to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, so first, let's get to know you as an iRacer, and then we'll talk about what else you do. Uh, when did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Uh, six years ago, approximately. I uh, was just looking for something that I could do my spare time that uh at least still let me be involved in the, uh i was heavily into the motorsports world um in the real world so it was it was a transition for me that uh i wasn't going to be able to do that anymore and so i just had to find something i did some r factor stuff and so on but never really was in let's just say quote unquote gaming um so i just did some research and came upon iRacing i've got the bug guys I've had the bug every day for the last five and a half, six years now. All right. Real cool. Uh, so tell us about what do you normally run when you're on iRacing? Uh, is it official, unofficial, hosted league? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm in regularly. I will jump into some uh, fixed and open setups for special occasions, um, running with some friends that uh, seem to have a good time putting setups together on us. They're fun to run. And then... You know, I try to support a, a number of leagues if I can, but uh, right now I'm running three nights a week, so it's been interesting with uh, more we're going to talk about. It's been real interesting keeping up with all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what kind of hardware uh, are you racing with, like wheels, pedals? Are you on monitors or VR and third-party software? Sure, sure, yeah. I use uh, mostly it's all Fanatec stuff, uh, the pedals, the wheel deck, the wheels, um, the NASCAR wheel uh, with the universal hub. And uh, I'm on a Track Racer TR8 rig, and uh, some of the software, Sim Commander, stuff like that, pretty much. Uh, I try to dial in the iRacing side of it as best I can and use the, you know, the documentation back there, the INI files. You know, they are adjustable. Most folks will, you know, they'll get it sooner or later, but a lot of that stuff's pretty adjustable, so you can use it to your advantage. Yeah, you'll be interested in a software we're going to talk about later today uh, that lets you... Uh, swap those INIs out on a regular basis real easily. Okay, uh, let's let's keep moving. Um, what gear did you start with? Well, wait, let me back up. You mentioned the TR8, um, which is a tubular cockpit from Track Racer, right? Yeah. What do you think about that? Does it have any flex in the steering deck? No, absolutely not. It's uh, it, it you know really is up to the user, just like it is in our real cars, you know, our race cars and such. If you're uh, if you're tweaking the nuts and bolts and staying on top of your ride, then everything can handle itself very well. I, I don't have any problem with it at all. Um, I've adjusted it a few times. Just uh, there's some new parts that have come out from Track Racer that's allowed us to uh, raise our seats and our decking and stuff like that. So um, Matt's always changing stuff up on us. So we have to stay on top of him to try to get the best of what he's got available. And so far, everything's been great. Haven't had any problems with... Uh, things loosening up or, you know, stuff like that. We're, you know, that's what we're all looking for is how rigid can you keep 
Yeah, it's a real nice looking cockpit, and uh, I've always had my eye on it. I don't think we've talked to anybody who's actually run it before, so that's why I wanted to ask. Sure. Uh, what did you start with before that? Like when you first got on iRacing, did was it just like a laptop and a wheel? Well, when I started with iRacing, I was on one monitor. I was at a desk. I was in a chair, just like a lot of us. I was on a G26 or G27, I'm sorry, and I uh, I did that for almost two years. And then when I started doing some business with Fanatec a while back, I was able to you know support myself into getting some better gear. And I've moved over to triples. I've got quads now, but you know we all if we do them, then. So be it. You run that fourth monitor for your telemetry stuff. And then I I'd have had the VR. I did use it for a little while. I just uh, I just chose to go back to the triples for some reason. I didn't not like the VR, but submersion of it was cool and all that. I just I guess I didn't like being behind that that mask. You can't see what you're doing. You know, it's a little bit harder to do things on your keyboards and so on. So the triples work. You get them adjusted right and they're great. All right. Sounds good. Let's talk about a bruisey. Uh, now you're involved with a bruisey. Uh, tell us about a bruisey, uh, Greg. You've actually bought some product from a bruisey, and uh, and we've talked about it on the show in the past. Uh, but tell us about what you guys are doing for the sim community and what kind of products you offer. Sure. Yeah. I my company is a bruisey racewear USA for short. It's a bruisey USA. When I met Ben. Ben had just come to the scene, limited, a Bruzy limited uh, owner. So he's over in the UK. He's the man that started this whole thing. And when I came to him, I asked about the typical sponsorship stuff, you know, as a driver and things like that. And, you know, obviously he was just starting out and he was more than happy to let me put his name on my cars. And that's what I did. I went out and I pumped his apparel and his boots and his gloves, anything that I could get people to take a look at his website for him. And I did that for a year. And then he came to me this, you know, back in early 2019, and he approached me as a distributor. And I just said, yeah, I'm in. You know, where do I sign? I'm, I'm on this. I've been living it already for over a year with him. So it was just an advantage that uh, he was growing. He needed somebody that he could rely on in the U.S. And uh, basically what he does is he'll sell a country. He'll sell territories. Oh, let's just say he sells countries. Um, he can't keep up with it all. Hell, I can't hardly keep up with Canada and the U.S. And I just took on Puerto Rico and Mexico last week. So it's an interesting marriage that we have around the world with the other companies that are involved with the Bruzy Racewear. And um, right now, uh, it's exploding. And as you can imagine, as we get into this a little bit more, I'll give you some names that I've been able to get myself associated with that I didn't think anybody in my caliber would ever be able to reach out to that type of a caliber team and get their attention but it happened so well that's great uh so so you offer all this uh product uh, like gloves and shoes and uh actual fire suits and whatnot uh for the actual real racer like kart racers or even uh road racers and so forth but also the sim uh driver as well um, what mix is the business compared sim to real life racer? Sure, sure. Um, at abruzyusa.com, you'll see at the top it's got sim wear, karting wear, and then special editions and clothing. So the sim wear, our gloves, our boots, all the shirts and the stuff like that that you can order through that portal. Um, the layers are a little bit thinner, but the quality, the material itself, 
stay the same across the board. When we get into the carding side of it, these are double layered. We externally stitch those gloves. We make sure that they have double stitching in areas. We know there's a lot more stress um, than we put on our hands and on our wheels in the sim world versus real carding. So working with those drivers that are in the real carding world, they need to have stuff that's going to be a little bit more uh, stronger to handle what they're doing. But I run straight up sim racing gloves, but I do own the pro boots uh, just because I've had most of all the boots. I haven't actually tried any of the trainers yet, but I've had some friends buy them and they they love them. They just felt like they didn't need a boot boot in their sim rig. So they chose the trainers and they love them. So that's where I'm at with uh, the clothing side of it is uh, always changing, guys. We're just constantly trying to bring something different to the market at the same time we know that teams and drivers alike they uh they like the way that i'll use the nascar side of it when you're wearing a team shirt it's uh, i use the word rainbow but real vibrant and you know try to get their team colors in there but we let these folks every single person that comes there and greg would know this uh you get to custom build your stuff it's it's why our motto is your wear your way so we don't imply anything we let you free hand everything to us and then we'll mock it all up send it back to you keep messing with it until you're perfectly happy and then we'll send it off to production now uh i think when i did sorry mike to step in here when i dealt with uh i think i dealt with brad at the beginning because i think uh, it was before um he was he had you on this side because i did from the overseas i waited a while for mine but the reason that it was i was drawn to it it was that custom customizing like i cut customized it for my stream and my own logo and stuff like that which you know i think the guys thought it was kind of cool the shoes is what i really needed and and it was nice to have you know a special custom stitching on it for my logo and my name and everything like that so i i appreciated that it was you know there right so a real racer can put his sponsorship colors on it and put the name on it and that kind of thing absolutely you bet i just was working with a team last night we signed them on for a carding season and uh, they're going to be wearing all the abruzzi the pro cart bundle so it's the boots the gloves and the suit and they'll be having all of their custom original work put on that and you know abruzzi's on every piece of apparel boot glove it's just you know we can move it around at the customer's request but it's always going to be on there it's our brand it's like the other guys you're always going to see it but we're willing to move our stitching around because it's a custom piece so as long as the customer's happy with the overall look of it then that's what we're looking for that's what we want for them is to be happy with it forever yeah pretty cool uh if you want uh, some sim gloves i mean this is the way to go uh there's a cut there's a short version the long version you got the shoe or the boot uh so there's some uh options for sure so uh judd we've been seeing your abruzzi brand a Bruzy USA here in the iRacing community recently a lot. I mean, I saw it on Podium Esports uh, f specifically for their uh, Daytona 500. Uh, your name was all over the place. Uh, now you've got the Coke series, uh, the eNASCAR Coke series, and you got some involvement there. Go ahead and tell us what's going on. Yeah, sure. I, I sponsored the duels for the uh, Esports for Podium there that weekend, and uh, an affiliate of mine, Chris Eiton, owns Sim Motorsports. He's the he was the main sponsor for that that race for the podium deal. That was a real nice outing. That weekend went real well for everybody, and uh, we hope we had some great 
you know, customers that came through and the winners have been real gracious and very um, fun to work with. They've had some really cool ideas. And so that kind of pushed me into a position where somebody that I've been racing with since pretty much the month that I started on iRacing, his name is Dylan Duvall. And I uh, reached out to him after the draft and I thought, well, Dylan, what's going on? Who you got for sponsors? So on and so forth. Oh man, dude, I don't know. I'm, I'm just spinning here. Well, I get a phone call from the manager, the, the marketing, uh, senior manager in marketing, uh, Jake Morris. And he, he reaches out to me and says, hey, we'd really like to take a look at this opportunity. I'm like, is this the real Stuart Haas Racing esports? Blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep, it's me. I'm like, oh my God. So it, it was a situation where I didn't think it would come that far, Mike. I just thought, well, let's give it a try. Let's just see what happens. And uh, sure enough, we worked out a deal. We got to contract and uh, we're working on all their apparel and their outfits and stuff like that. We're in the thick of it. That is awesome. And to get some exposure to uh, Stuart Haas as a team, even, um, there's probably a big uh, opportunity there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at their cars, um, Justin Bolton and Dylan Duvall are the two pro side, pro drivers um, from that side, the, the NASCAR Coca-Cola side. And then there's also two more drivers, which they've yet to name for the console series, the Heat series. So uh, they'll come out whenever they decide to do whatever they're going to do over there. And then we'll get those folks uh, handled as well. But um, really, it's trying to get the brand out there. So when you think about a bruise, you know exactly what you're thinking about. Um, Nike did it. Uh, all the rest of them did it in certain ways. But, you know, we're we're small grassroots community here. We're trying to keep everybody. That's what we love so much about, you know, when you bring drivers in and trust me, guys, I get. 8, 10, 12, 15 requests a day. I need a sponsor. I need a sponsor. I need a sponsor. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you do. You know, I, I've been in your shoes. I know how it feels. Uh, what do you got? What can you bring to the table? That kind of stuff. So I do interviews. I do research on these drivers. I don't just pick them up. I don't throw them gloves and boots just so they can go have a good time and say, hey, look what I got for free. You know, I, I would respect them for respecting me and what I'm trying to do here. And as we all know, business isn't free. So at the end of the day, Dylan wins this big race the other night, and I'm like, holy moly, all this press release comes out for a bruisey racewear with Stuart Haas Racing Esports Division, and wouldn't you know it, he pulls out a win that night, and then we come into the 500, and the poor guy, struggle, struggle, struggle. So, Justin, I, I'm not even quite sure where he finished. I think top 15 or something, but um, it's been a cool situation so far. I've, uh, I've been learning a lot real fast. You kind of get thrown into this and you, you wonder if you're doing it right, if you're saying stuff you shouldn't say or whatever. But I, I mean, I know I know where I stand. I'm the preferred simware provider of Stuart Haas Esports across the board. There you go. That's it right there. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great opportunity to sponsor. Um, Dylan Duvall, uh, yeah, he had a tough race. I watched Nick Nieben's YouTube channel. He's a spotter for Dylan. Yeah. And he puts up a nice video of kind of a summary of what their race was. And they had some challenges with the pit strategy and stuff. And uh, so it was a tough race. But he did win the clash, and that was a great win for him. Uh, and and uh, so congratulations to Dylan and Abruzzi for that. Uh, one more question here before we move on. How big this Coke series blowing up from a sponsor perspective. And we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get into the eNASCAR news, but all these sponsors jumping on these cars here as we just had the first race of the season. Uh, you're one of them. 
Um, but the, all the buzz behind it, especially in the NASCAR realm, when you got NASCAR drivers involved and social media pushing these new sponsors. Uh, for example, Kyle Busch with his Rowdy Energy uh, sports drink he just released, and he gets that on one of the cars. And uh, I mean, how special is it to be involved in that? I, I'm amazed. I really am amazed at the opportunity that Stuart Haas has brought to the table for my little company. What we're trying to do, you know, to build the buzz, the idea behind what we all know being involved in Ilong, it's, it's a passion for all of us. It's something that, you know, we can't spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. We're not going to be able to go compete with the Tony Stewart's and the soul, uh, all those guys out there. There's just no way. I mean, at this point right now, we got the best of the best opportunity to have a great time people that you most likely wouldn't meet on the streets anywhere else. I mean, last night, my main driver, Gary Sexton, he's battling it out with Dale Jr. on the track for the 500. I mean, it's crazy. The whole race, 500 miles. You guys were running them earlier today, I believe. But I'm watching this, and, you know, Junior's being very casual and cool and calm and collected about it, and everybody's enjoying themselves. So I think that iRacing and, you know, some of the other owners and such, um, these teams that have come out, they know that we're for real, that we want to see expand and grow with Coca-Cola coming on board. I couldn't have imagined a better company to indulge us. You know, the the idea behind a bruisey race where being able to stand next to these monster, monster conglomerates and companies, it's pretty exciting, guys. It's uh, very humbling. Let's just say it like that. It is. And uh, there's a lot going on with E-NASCAR here on the first week. So uh, we'll get into that, but uh, boy, Judd, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and telling us about a bruisey. We had like uh, Greg, you know, has had a good uh, a good experience with your product in the past, and we've talked about it. But uh, good to get you on and talk about the Stuart Haas deal. So thanks for coming on. And uh, now we're going to talk e NASCAR next, but we're actually going to wait because guess what? We're going to have a special guest, Evan Pasoko. Oh, nice. The voice of eNASCAR is going to be coming on to join us. Uh, he just landed. He's in an Uber. He's headed to the hotel, and he'll be on shortly. So we'll get back to eNASCAR when uh, Evan gets here, and we'll get his take on everything. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know that uh, you and I talked you know, previously, seeing if we could get some times together. So this worked out real nice. Um, you know, Real life, we got to do that in order to have our fun. So I appreciate you bearing with me and it's been a whirlwind. It's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to keep going. We've got some great teams out there running this year, so it's going to be a fun, uh, a fun season to see how these. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm 55 years old almost. I call these guys kids still, but hey, you know, I, I'm all for them. I can't wait to see how they do. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great season to watch. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, uh, Judd Danielson, and uh, telling us about a bruisey. So uh, let's jump right to topics. David, what's uh, the first one? I don't hear you. Oh, sorry, I had the microphone muted. The first one, I'm actually going to toss over to Tony, who's going to tell us a little bit about iRacing on Times Square. <laughs> yeah, catch me while I'm sleeping again. Um, uh, this was kind of going around on all the different social medias here. Just a, a Twitter from um, Steve Myers, a uh, picture of the eNASCAR logo. Right up there on uh, Times Square. I'm not sure what building that is. I'm not familiar with Times Square, but it's on one of the corners of the square. So uh, big and bold and in everybody's face. 
That's like the most expensive billboard in the world to advertise on, I understand. Well, that even makes it a even more bigger of a deal. Yeah. And what's cool about it is iRacing probably didn't pay for that. It was probably Coke or NASCAR. It was probably Coke. But uh, yeah, pretty cool to see that. Okay, David, I was going out of order. Tell us uh, some more of this uh, strange news about tire warming. Well, to sum it up, iRacing kind of rolled back and backed off of their severe punishments. Uh, Tyler Husson put out a uh, statement that here's the deals, guys. Obviously, something is going on to have so many suspensions. I don't do the protest, nor do I have anything to do with the protest, and have only been recently notified of this week of the suspensions, and that has continued to snowball. It's become apparent we have an issue. For some perspective, this rule has been posted since December 21st, and up until the week, he personally had not heard of any suspensions as a result of it being broken. He uh, noted that several people are involved at this point from iRacing and Porsche, and we are working to come up with a solution that is fair for everyone, especially you guys and the competitors. In any case, uh, like this, you can't please everyone, but being as fair as possible is the priority. So he put he put that out. Um, something some some of the griping about it actually made news in Finland. We have a link to that. Uh, we also have a link with a post of a lot of people uh, talking about the issue. And then the kind of the, the latest word was that for the remainder of the seeding, or I'm sorry, excuse me, for the remainder of the season, driving extremely slowly while spinning the tires or driving slowly to a stop and accelerating again will be allowed. However, donuts and stationary burnouts against the wall are not allowed. We will be rescinding the, pen, pitch, the penalties issued for the warning warming techniques that were on the fringe of the rule. For example, driving extremely slowly while spinning the tires or driving slowly at a stop and accelerating again. So they basically kind of rolled back and said, okay, we're going to let you do this, even though, uh, you know, we talked about it quite a bit, that it was clearly breaking the spirit of the rule, but they decided that it was too much of a gray area. Ugh, is what I have to say. Uh, Ban, I don't like the idea that you make a decision and then you back down from the decision after pressure from sponsors and competitors and whoever else is giving you pressure. Uh, you don't see NASCAR doing that, do we? But you well, know, the um, whether it's NASCAR or football or just about any major sport, there's always been this. Uh, there has been this knowledge that if you're Emmett Smith, sorry, I'm giving, dating myself here. If you're Emmett Smith, you can get away with more than a third string wide receiver as far as what you get penalized for. Well, and the other thing I don't like about it too is, for the rest of the season. To be competitive in this series, you have to do this. You have to warm your tires because it's allowed. It is literally allowed. And so if you don't do it, you're not going to have a good time, right? They say it's allowed, or is it something that they're just going to, where they, like, this is your warning, and they're going to come down as they they should have in the future? They have have explicitly said it is allowed for for the remainder of the season, driving extremely slowly while spinning tires or driving and slowing to a stop and accelerating again will be allowed. See, that sucks. I would see. I can understand. I know there's money involved, and I can understand backpedaling on it. But I would have rather seen them backpedal to like, uh, okay, obviously we weren't clear enough on this because so many people broke the rule. But yeah, so you're you're fine this time. But going forward, know that it's against the rules. I completely agree with that. Um, if I give out a test and so many of the kids fail it, I won't tell them that I know it probably is on me. But 
Uh, so I'll kind of give them the right act and say, we're going to do this test again, but I know that it means I need to do something different to try to get them to understand it. But that being said, I'm not going to let them just fail the test again. Yeah, and it's like the camber exploit. I mean, it's something that you had to do in order to be competitive. But at least, but with that, you know, that was a hard thing to fix. This is not a hard thing to fix. Don't leave an exploit in there for people to have to work around. That sucks. And it made national news in Finland. And there's an article that names Dimcross and Tyler Hudson and so forth and shows uh, results of qualifying from iRacing and so forth. It's, uh, it's a, kind of a black eye, I think, on the, what's going on. But, oh, well, I guess uh, they had to do something. Well, let's just hope this doesn't set a precedence, you know. Uh, what is it, the, the squeakiest wheel gets the grease type deal? Um, hopefully they can then learn from this whole thing here. And, I mean, they're, they're racers. Everybody's a, a racer or wants to be a racer. So you're going to try and find those little exploits wherever you can. I mean, the real guys do it. But, you know, throw the hammer down and leave the hammer down. Don't lift it up. Have well, a driver's meeting. Was there not a driver's meeting? <laughs> State the rules if you have to for guys. <laughs> yep. Well, hopefully it doesn't backfire. On Speaking of backfire, uh, Chris, tell us about particles and backfires. Oh, those transitions are so smooth. Um, so uh, Greg Hill made a post on the forums. Um, just a heads up. He said, this may not apply to all members, but some, including myself, have noticed the backfires went all quiet. And um, actually, after reading this, I noticed that I don't, haven't heard that myself. Um, he said, it's quite possible the particle setting got changed to low detail. Please bang them back up to full detail, and you'll be cracking and popping in no time. So apparently those sounds are related to the particle setting. So if you if you have that set on high, you probably never notice a difference. But if you're like me and you have some of that stuff on the edge, if you crank that back up, then you'll get that back. Um, he said he also gets complaints the gear shifts are too soft. And he says the gears are uh, impacts and physics driven. So if you turn up the crash slider in the sounds menu, that'll affect that sound. So I know a lot of people might have that cranked way down and maybe the tires way up so they can hear you know that better. Well, if you turn that those crash sounds up, you'll hear that gift that gear shift clunk better. They need to redesign this a little bit. I mean, logically it doesn't sound right. I mean, I have to turn on particles to be able to hear something. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. I guess it because it must be like the sound that you're hearing the sound of the particles that are coming out of the exhaust, maybe. And I can kind of that one doesn't make as much sense. The gear shift kind of makes sense to me because they're simulating that metal on metal, you know, sound and that impact of the shifter in the box. So I guess maybe that one makes a little sense. I would say that the reason is if if the particle visual is not occurring, it's also not going to make the sound for it to make a whole. Uh, yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. If you can't see it, why would you hear it? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, I get it. What you can see, though, is the uh, top 10 highlights video, Mike. Yeah, I was just uh, looking at that. Uh, Boy, it's some good ones here. Of course, it's like uh, four wide for the win, and there were some dirt modifieds with a .001 at the line. Uh, Those kind of highlights, pretty good if it's for the January. Um, Some good saves as well. There was a nice one down the backstretch of Daytona where the guy was able to keep it going straight. and What'd you guys think? I like the save the guy did in the modified. It was crazy. Stuck to landing. Yeah, um, and then the number one uh, was kind of a, a tribute uh, to Martin Soleri at the end of the race uh, at the Daytona 24. Uh, all the cars kind of went in formation in a slow kind of pace lap, uh, two and three wide 
as a tribute to Martin, uh, who I understand has passed away. Uh, and I do believe he was on uh, Coanda Simsport, I believe. Or maybe it was Team Redline. It's one of the big teams. But he was involved with one of them. And uh, this was a nice tribute. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, David, I blame the burritos. Well, everybody knows that burritos can lead to explosiveness. And so I don't know if this uh, car decided it was going to, they were going to try to Michael Waltrip the, uh, the car or so but um it uh it's sitting the cars haven't even started going yet and it just this mazda is it a mazda just explodes yeah mazda and it's weird i try to frame by frame shot it you know and try to pause it on the right spot and you can't i mean it it explodes like within uh within a frame it just like a bomb went off it's just crazy and it just shoves it into the wall super hard that's when I shut the computer off and don't come back for four or five days. Was that guy trying to get SR, you wonder? He didn't get any, I'll tell you that. Yeah, so that's a post by Bill Eberhart, and he said, I blame the burrito. <laughs> All right, next up, I'll do uh, iRacing with you Michael Jordan. Channel. And uh, this is a podcast by Nate Ryan at NBC, and I listen to his podcast all the time. And uh, he had the Denny Hamlin interview. Um and they had a discussion about iRacing during that interview. A couple of uh, notes. Um, Denny said, iRacing approached him wanting him to start a team. I have a history in iRacing similar to William Byron, but really it was a huge benefit for me in the rookie season. I used it quite a bit and I'm recently getting back into it. I've been watching races online. I wanted to be a part of it. He said, I want to go after the best guys and I got a couple of good ones. Uh, next up, uh, he said, uh, about MJ's involvement, Michael Jordan. He said, I went to him and said, Hey, do you want to get involved? Michael did the design on the car for the Jumpman car. He got back to him within a couple days, right around Christmas about it. Uh, when it was in Charlotte, he talked about how he took the iRacing drivers to hey, lunch. Wake up. He said, I think that it was very good at iRacing back in the day. I, I set it on the pole and won some very prestigious races. Um, he said he talked by DM to Logan and Ray Alfala uh, and has been kind of talking to them one-on-one. Uh, he saw that they were hanging out in Charlotte, so he said, hey, come on by down to the house. Uh, he said they were good at what they do, uh, uh, hearing their stories. It's definitely growing our sport, and he's referring to NASCAR. Uh, he said that the challenge for our sport is it is hard to relate to our sport as they cannot simulate it like playing basketball, football, etc. With iRacing, it gives them a way to relate to the sport. Um, so um, it was pretty neat to have Nate Ryan do the podcast. And he did do a follow-up article at NBCSports.com uh, with those quotes and some pictures and stuff of the drivers hanging out at his house and that kind of thing. But it was interesting to see how involved Michael Jordan was with the paint job and that kind of thing. So speaking of paint jobs, we got to get a good look at a lot of new paint jobs on the race Tuesday night. And we have our special, our second special guest joining us. Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming in. Coming by. How's it going, guys? Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, boy, what a race uh, the Coke race was this week. And we, we wanted to get you on to talk about it a little bit. Uh, let's go through it. Let me get back to the right part in the script. We're going to go through the E-NASCAR news, uh, and I just want to kind of go in chronological order. So before the race uh, week, before the race during the week, 
We had several sponsorship announcements. We had a Bruzy. We just talked to Judd about that with uh, Stuart Haas. And then Brad Davies uh, with Junior Motorsports announced True Timber uh, as a paint job. And uh, it was kind of a neat thing on social media. They were asking, is uh, is that a red or is that an orange? Uh, what did you guys tell Dale Jr.? I'll tell you what, that's, uh, that's definitely a red paint scheme. So if you think it's orange, then you're wrong, but that's fine. Um, but it's super cool. And we see this every year, uh, but especially with the last two seasons with the teams involved, seeing all these new sponsors uh, coming into the fold. Um, what we're seeing this year, a lot more than what we saw last year, is especially for like the NASCAR Cup affiliated teams, a lot of them simply just ran their sponsors that they have on their cup program or whatever. It is already basically sponsors that are in-house. I think the coolest thing, and that True Timber is a really good example, uh, I'd say more than half of the field has some sort of new partnerships coming in, is a lot of these are iRacing or the eSports-specific partnerships where these companies are signing on with this team for this series. Sometimes there's an existing relationship there, uh, but I think that seeing these companies come on where their eNASCAR cars are different than their Cup Series cars because it's a designated sponsor uh, is super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you can actually see all the paint jobs on one page. Uh, the RacingExperts.com, Justin Melillo uh, posted up a recent guest on our show. Uh, all the paint jobs as of uh, that day, and uh, you can check them out. There are quite a few, and like you said, a lot of new sponsors in there. Uh, and we'll talk about some more sponsorship announcements uh, as we go through the week here. The next one, it was kind of a neat, uh, fun fact. Uh, put out by uh, Eric Smith. He said that eNASCAR Coke iRacing Series had 38 cars involved in a crash last week, which if you count the series as a NASCAR sanctioned series, because it is, it is the new largest crash record for a NASCAR sanctioned race. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they certainly, uh, they put on a show, uh, to say the least, in that clash. And you know, based on the fact that that race was shorter than what we saw, of course, this past Tuesday, uh, it's inevitable when you've got three wide, you know, some 39, I think, total cars in that lead pack that something like that's going to happen. We were concerned that that big melee was going to scare everybody. And then even in the shootout earlier, and then, of course, for the season opener on Tuesday, that drivers would be very timid. Uh, but if anybody tuned in, then you know. I mean, that was one of the best Daytona races we've seen with three wides throughout. We still wrecked the cars. It happened at the very end. Uh, this time around, most of them at the end. But, yeah, we uh, we wrecked a lot of virtual race cars last Yeah, and so the record in NASCAR history before that, 37 cars on lap one in the 1960 modified race at Daytona. Uh, no injuries there. So, yeah, pretty cool for Eric to notice that. Uh, next up was a sponsorship announcement by William Byron. Logitech uh, is partnering with him on, on his cars, and they got a pretty nice paint job. Uh, William Byron said, hey, I started on a Logitech wheel, and now we're partnered to go iRacing. How cool is that? That's even one of the, the sponsorship ones that I commented on and, and retweeted on Twitter because even though I'm no good at driving, so I, I stick to the broadcast stuff, um, I use the Logitech wheel. It's the first wheel that I got. I just got a newer Logitech wheel um, a couple of months ago. And I think that's one where I'm not sure if that's necessarily a sponsorship that, that Logitech would do on a real-life race car because it's, it's a little bit more of a niche product. But I think that's an absolutely perfect partnership for this space of esports 
And I mean, a lot of the drivers in the Coke series who are the pros and the teams have helped that a lot in the last few years, guys, with, you know, getting them triple monitor setups and upgrading their equipment. But I mean, we've had a, a significant number of the Coke series championships won on a G27. So a Logitech product. So I thought, I thought that was super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other uh, notable note, notes uh, leading up to the race, uh, Steve Lavender did his normal power rankings on the uh, enascar.com, so check those out as well. Uh, then we had a look at um, a, a kind of a neat video that iRacing put together with some footage we haven't seen of Zach Novak at the Homestead uh, race uh, to collect his championship trophy this last year. Um, and kind of neat to see some new footage that we haven't seen before. I thought we had already seen everything, but it did show uh, a few th new things that uh, he was doing. That we like, he got to sit in on the drivers' meeting and uh, get recognized in front of all the drivers, and that looked that was pretty cool. It was, and I a couple of years back um, when Jimmy Johnson won his seventh championship, I was actually down in Homestead uh, for the race, and I think that was my first year doing the Coke series. Uh, and not only did I get to meet a couple of the guys um, from my racing who were down there, but of course uh, our champion was down there. And that's one of the, the cool things that we've really hyped up. I mean, before the prize money was as massive as it is now, the kind of coolest part about winning this series was the fact that you get the ring, you get the trophy and the check, but you get to go down to Homestead. And I mean, you're in the NASCAR suite. You're a guest of NASCAR. And that's only going to continue to get better. Uh, that was certainly a busy offseason for Zach, though. I know he showed that video. And then as well, uh, of course, he got to do the test uh, in the late model stock car as well. So uh, he had a very busy offseason. He and our Ignite champion got to do that as well. And I think that those kind of experiences are also going to continue to grow, in addition to the fact that they're racing for more money, which is always nice. Yeah, absolutely. Some more sponsorships were uh, Kyle Busch, we mentioned briefly, his new Rowdy Energy uh, uh, drink. Uh, he's on one of the Joe Gibbs cars now. Uh, we also had Mode Motorsports uh, put out some paint jobs. I don't know if they had a sponsorship there. but um, And then there was a, sp a Twitter from Richmond Raceway about running a Coke sponsorship, but they removed the Twitter that got deleted, so I don't know what happened there. And then Jim Beaver Esports had the Big Green Egg, which I love. And they were one of the companies as well, um, the Big Green Egg folks, they were involved on Twitter as well. So they were actually live tweeting uh, over the course of Tuesday's opener uh, and engaging uh, with Eric and the Jim Beaver Esports Twitter account um, online during the race. Um, which is super cool. So I look forward to, to seeing hopefully some of those newer partners that are coming into the series being as engaged as that particular partner has been and just kind of growing the conversation on social media over the course of this season. Yeah. And then several hype videos as we approach the race um, put out by not only iRacing, but uh, NASCAR themselves, uh, just getting everyone fired up. There was so much hype for this. Um, so let's kind of get into the race itself. I mean, you did have a special guest right off the bat, Evan, NASCAR Senior Vice President Tim Clark. Just to, you know, uh, reiterate, you know, NASCAR involvement in how thrilled they are to be partnered with Coke and iRacing. And, and Tim is somebody as well who I've actually had the opportunity over the last uh, one and a half years or so to actually talk with uh, on a fairly regular basis. He's very hands-on. Um, it's not like, uh, and, and really everybody um, at NASCAR is very hands-on with this series from 
uh, Jusan, who's the competition director as well, to, to Brandon Williams and everybody else. But uh, I've been able to talk with Tim a couple of times before last just to talk about iRacing and, and his love for it and mine and kind of where we see uh, this series going and, and how we can improve on making the broadcast better. So um, anytime, obviously, you can get somebody from NASCAR on the broadcast, uh, we'll try to do that all season long. Uh, so very appreciative of Tim for giving us some time. Uh, but, I mean, everybody there is is all in. And we this is something that I got to see firsthand at Media Day this year when I was out there for one of the days, um, is that from the top to the bottom, that everybody at NASCAR is taking this series um, super serious. And uh, that, that can only spell a good thing uh, for its success now and as well in the future. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the actual race. Right off the bat, everybody who's watching, I mean, it's a great bot broadcast, by the way, uh, but right off the bat, so distracting, about five cars that happen to be on the same team have their nose sticking up in the air with the rear buried down into the pavement. It, I called it comical and unrealistic looking. Uh, I think uh, John Hammer was called it the monster truck setup. But it's this a, uh, a particular setup that this team has put in the car. Now, we had preliminary events all week, and we never saw it. So they saved it for this for this event, for the points event. And, boy, it was a, quite a difference. Now, you guys didn't really talk about it on the, on the broadcast that I heard. But um, I don't know if it affected the racing. They were fast, but I don't know if they were, like, a lot faster. Yeah, it, it didn't really appear to us that there was any sort of huge advantage. We actually first noticed it um, in qualifying because the way that the actual race server is set up this season is they qualify in the same iRacing session as the race. And that happens about 20 minutes before the green flag. Then there's a warm-up. So we saw it in the practice or in the qualifying, I should say, and we weren't sure if that was just a qualifying setup or if that was going to be a race setup thing. Uh, and then we also weren't sure if that was actually a thing or if it was just some sort of like, like a funny glitch or something. So that's why we didn't really comment on it. I don't know if it helped or not. I mean, they started up front, so maybe there was some sort of qualifying advantage. And I guess the, uh, the age-old saying goes, if you aren't pushing the limits on what the setup will allow within the rules, then you're not trying. Uh, but certainly, you're right. We did not see that uh, in any of the private practice stuff that I watched in. We didn't see it in the clash. We didn't see it in the shootout. And we kind of figured that, right? I don't think anybody was really going to bring out their race setup or their queue setup in those special events. They were running something close to it, no doubt. I think we all knew that they were going to save something, uh, but that was certainly a surprise that I think that they would have been smart to save it because if they had that on, you know, from the start of the, the virtual speed weeks, I'm not sure that setup would have actually made it to the race. So, uh, you know, the teams and drivers are, are trying everything they can, and uh, that was certainly uh, that was something new. Well, we were actually seeing that in the majors qualifying sessions as well from a lot of the faster guys. So it, it did seem to be making a bigger difference in the qualifying set. And that yeah, goes well, into, well, and with these guys as well, and obviously a lot of, you know, people put tons of time into the, to the, major, uh, the majors races and whatnot and, and tons of league stuff. I mean, obviously they know what they're doing. I'm not a big setup person, so a lot of the time, you know, when we're talking about technical stuff, I'll, I'll defer to, uh, to Tim on that, who's been around the series and kind of knows those dynamics a lot better uh, than I do. But uh, they obviously tested it and wanted to go with it, um, especially for this race. Uh, most of these teams had put in thousands of laps at Daytona on those setups before we ever saw it. So uh, obviously it was, it was a conscious effort. Yep. And the racing, once you get past that visual part of those five cars, the racing was awesome. I mean, three wide, eight deep, ten deep, uh, 
uh, you know, there were green flag stops. There were different pit strategies. You guys uh, in the booth were calling them great. In fact, at part of the race, I was outside. I was listening on my cell phone, not actually watching, kind of doing the MRN thing. And it's great racing just listening uh, because of all the different strategies you guys were covering. Uh, what did you think of, uh, as we went through the race there, uh, how that played out? Well, and that goes back to kind of off of the top that with the way that the clash went last Wednesday, and then even with the shootout on Monday night, we weren't really sure if it was going to be crazy from the top. I mean, this this was the most, and I think the most competitive race at Daytona I've seen, uh, not only in the four years now that I've been doing this, but as well, you know, back to all the ones that I watched. I mean, it was three wide sustained. Now, that third lane did struggle a little bit more this week than it did in the clash last week. They were able to you know, get kind of up to two car lengths off of the very front and then drop back. And I don't think a lot of drivers were really willing to commit all the way up there. Uh, but I, I can probably count the laps into which we weren't three wide uh, on my hands. I mean, and that was probably only because of our pit cycles. Um, it, was, it was really good. The drivers were locked in. Um, I thought one of the cooler things that we can do now with the broadcasts is take a lot of the live look-in shots at the drivers and one thing that I found funny is some of the drivers we looked into it were like super serious, straight-faced. Others were laughing and having a good time. Uh, and the feedback from the drivers as well is they loved it. Um, I, we have two Daytona races this year plus the Talladega, so two more plate races still to go. Uh, but that was it was a ton of fun for us to watch. And maybe, I hope at least, uh, that because we were having fun, it translated to everybody watching on the broadcast. Because it was, I mean, I don't think you could have asked for anything else. Yeah, I love the cameras. Ryan Michael Luza looking so serious and just angry almost, you know. Uh, but, yeah, and then Bobby Zielinski kind of buried in the dark. And, uh, yeah, I love the cameras. That's really nice. But when it come down to it, it was pretty clean uh, in, at the end uh, up front. They did kind of pile up uh, later back in the pack as they were coming to the checker. Uh, but Keegan Leahy wins by four one-thousandths of a second. He was on the bottom. Uh, Brian Schoenberg uh uh, and all those guys were up there trying to get him, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, but Bobby and Keegan were lined up on the bottom, and they got it. And so they they teamed up, and uh, they were one of those cars that was kind of sticking up in the air. So let's go into post-race a little bit. Uh, we did get some comments from some of the drivers on the forums about the monster truck setup. Um, Eric Smith called it airplaning, as they called it. Um, Keegan Leahy said, yeah, we've talked to iRacing about it. They're going to probably, quote, fix it uh, soon. In fact, uh, Keegan did mention that he spoke to iRacing about this setup before they ran it before the race, just to make sure everybody knew what was happening. Um, because it, at first glance, a lot of the people in the forums and the, the people with the pitchforks are like, these guys are, are, are cheating somehow. You know, they've, they're doing some kind of setup exploit, but they're not. Uh, whatever setup they ran is within the rules. And I think that'll be, uh, maybe this will go down in uh, history as iRacing's version of the T-Rex car, where you, you build something within the rules. I mean, by the rule book, it's legal, uh, but maybe it shouldn't be legal. And uh, if it's not by, I, I've heard maybe it's even going to be before we get out uh, to Fontana. I don't think it'll really make a difference there. Uh, but 99% uh, chance you're not going to see that uh, when we go to Talladega. 
Yeah, and in fact, Steve Latart put on Twitter, uh, be careful what you claim won't work in real life. I remember sideways crab walking cars winning races with a huge side force advantage. It's not a car show, it's a race. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, you got to push the envelope. And especially, I think it's funny and to the point that you had made, the fact that they didn't show any of that in the testing is that they, they kind of knew that it's kind of your one shot at using it. So, um, you know, get out there, get your points and, and, and move on with it. And like I said, maybe we'll, uh, we'll probably see drivers once, if this is taken off of the table, when we continue plate racing, not just this year, but, you know, throughout years to come, someone's always going to be looking to, to find something that gives them an advantage. Yeah, Christian Schalliner, who was one of those cars, he said, our car passed tech inspection. It was 100% within the rules, both the letter and the spirit of them. Absolutely nothing we did was outside of any set boundary, and members of both setup groups messaged iRacing, informing them of exactly what we were doing prior to the race. And it's also interesting, and I'm not sure if it, if it can relate directly to this conversation, uh, but during those the media days that happened in Charlotte uh, in the offseason, all of these drivers had an opportunity to sit down. They were, they were split up into a group of about 10, I think, so maybe four different groups, maybe a little bit smaller than that. Um, and all the drivers had a sit-down competition meeting uh, with not only Juson Hamilton, who is basically the, the NASCAR representative, but also Tyler Hudson, uh, who is kind of the more directly involved admin, and they were able to ask questions. So I'm not sure if that's something that can even stem back that far. Uh, I can't speak to, you know, which outlet in which they were reaching out to the iRacing officials, but there's always been a dialogue, especially uh, with some added emphasis this year. Uh, where the drivers can talk to Hudson and to Hamilton if they want. Yep. And more post-race, uh, you know, NASCAR Live uh, put up the race. Uh, they did several uh, post-race Twitters and whatnot. Uh, we even got a recap of the race. Uh, iRacing put up, I think, today. Um, that was pretty nice, a, a two-minute recap. Uh, and then even, Evan, we got to see your pretty face uh, calling a couple laps there. Uh, kind of interesting to see how you get into it. Yeah, that. so I kind of did that just for myself because I obviously don't know what I look like. And I now I realize that I look really angry for some reason. Uh, Serious. That's why, that's why I captioned it. I'm not mad, I promise. But, I, yeah, I was really into it. Uh, and I guess when you have a close finish like that, uh, that's what you'll get. And I actually tried to recruit Randy and Tim to – to get a camera on them as well so I could kind of, you know, put something together and, and toss it out. But I, I didn't bring it up till like 30 minutes before the race started. Uh, so it was just me. And uh, I was expecting it to get like, you know, maybe 50 people will watch it. Nobody really cares. And, and then I wake up. I think it's got like 70,000 views on Twitter, like just something absolutely stupid. But now, of course, because it was uh, it had some good reception, I think that for Fontana, um, just like the driver camera angles uh, are available, I think I'm going to have my live camera available, not to like cut to me because nobody cares about me calling the race when it's happening. Uh, but I think we'll be using that camera. So when I'm interviewing, you know, like Keegan, when he wins, I'm just going to be him. We'll actually probably have both of us up on the screen. Uh, so it feels a little bit more connected. So just because I decided to post it on Twitter, I think that's going to be something that we're going to implement for our post-race stuff going forward. Yeah, and the broadcast has been awesome this year, by the way. Well, Mike, I, can't, just I can't say enough. I just want to slide in on, on that point with iRacing now taking over the broadcast. And, and Hugo and, and Will and everybody at, at RaceSpot did such a good job over the last few years 
uh, and I tweeted about this as well too. It is literally a small army at iRacing. Um, there's, you know, all the camera angles that you're seeing, there's like three different people on cameras remoting in to the room. And then you've got Drew and Cisco and everybody in that room. Um, there's easily a dozen people directly involved in what's going on the screen in producing the broadcast. Uh, countless meetings, the test broadcasts, all that stuff that, that not, you know, people outside of the circle won't know about. Um, so I, I just want to reiterate that, that I guess a thanks uh, to everybody at iRacing for, for how much is going into this. Uh, and I think that you guys could all tell with how much more is brought to it now that that hard work is going to pay off. Well, Mike was mentioning a little bit earlier, uh, talking about MRN, and one of the things that particularly makes those broadcasts exciting to listen, to watch is that your your vocal style is is really more similar to the MRN guys than it is to say to, to the TV guys. It has that that pace and that intensity, which I particularly enjoy. And that's it's, one thing that we've talked about with our with our style as well, is because we're like me, Randy, and Tim are not together. It's a little bit more difficult to kind of do a TV style where it's more open and like in TV, you know, it's not somebody talks and then somebody picks back up. There's kind of moments of pauses and it's a different style. It's just really hard to do that when you can't look at the guy next to you and cue off them. So that's why we've always kind of been that MRN-esque style where we're always calling what's on the screen. But then sometimes we can kind of ramble on because we have the benefit of the picture that radio doesn't. We can kind of go on tangent sometimes and let the, let the pictures speak for themselves. Uh, but I've, I've always been a play-by-play -play person. So that, that's what I find uh, fun in. And uh, there's no easier way to do a play-by-play -play race than, than Daytona, especially the way that uh, they did it. But I'm, I'm happy that we've got our, our crew together and I'm happy that we've gotten so much positive feedback. All right, very good. Uh, final story that came out today, uh, William Byron Esports signed SimC uh, as a sponsor for one of his cars as well. Uh, Evan Pasoko, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we'd love to have you back. We kind of talked about maybe you can come on after some of the races uh, this season and kind of help me race review these. And, uh, yeah, I, we do appreciate you coming on. I know you were traveling today, and uh, thanks for making time. Yeah, no worries. I, I apologize if the, uh, the microphone doesn't sound that great. I'm just on some uh, headphones here in my hotel in Minneapolis. And, and luckily, the start of the, the duel, I think, has been delayed a little bit by rain. So I'm going to run down the hall. We've got a watch party with all of my, uh, my Monster Jam coworkers. Uh, we've got pizza and stuff in the room. So I told them I'm hopping on this. We're going to talk about the race. Uh, and I'm going to go watch the duel uh, with some friends. But thanks for having me, guys. And hopefully, I'll uh, be able to come back soon. Yeah, we'll see you next race, and uh, thanks for coming on. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Yeah, so E-NASCAR blowing up, guys. And jumping back into the topics, we have a new announcement that has me really excited. Actually, that's not the next topic, though. The next topic is the time slots for the NASCAR iRacing slot, which I'm also really excited about. So it's the standard time slots that we've seen over the last couple of years. For your fixed series, you're going to have Wednesday four Eastern, uh, and then it, I guess eventually it'll be five Eastern when the time changes. Is that what that indicates? Is that indicating when it's going to change right. time zones? So this is what always screws me up every year because some of the races change time with daylight savings and others don't. Oh, yes. So it says EST and EDT. Sorry, I didn't catch that detail quicker. Um, on the Thursday nights will be 9 p.m. Eastern Standard and daylight time. So that one changes when daylight changes. 
Saturday, 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. That one does not change. It will it will move for, for Americans when daylight changes. Uh, Saturday will will shift with daylight savings time. It'll be at 12 p.m., both standard time and daylight time. And then Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern or Eastern daylight. Then we're jumping into the fixed, and we got Wednesday, 9 p.m. That's both open. That's, I'm sorry, that's open. So yeah, we're we're talking open. It's Wednesday, nine nine p.m. Eastern Standard and Eastern Daylight. Thursday will be two p.m. Eastern Standard, three p.m. when we go to daylight time. Thursday is nine p.m. Eastern Standard and daylight, and Sunday is ten a.m. Eastern Standard. And so it's it's what we're used to. We just got to put a note on there for for Mike and put an over under on whether or not he misses a race this year when the time changes. He'll still miss it. It doesn't matter what we do. He'll still miss it. He's missed it three times. Yeah, we're going to skip ahead in the interest of time. Uh, we saw Ty Majeski get a P2. He almost won in the iRacing colors again. Uh, Matt Weaver put it up a picture of him on Twitter after the race. Don't forget we're on the Performance Motorsports Network now and online streaming. You can get that at iOS or Android. Uh, five, seven times a week, I believe, we're on there. So uh, getting a lot of exposure. And let's jump into hardware software. First up, I want to talk about iRacing Assistant. Excuse me, iRacer Assistant. All one word. You can look that up in the forums. You can go to the show notes and get the link. And I'm telling you guys, download this and run it. Okay, if you run iRacing this and you do third-party apps, at a minimum, use it to open your third-party apps. So what I do is I turn on my computer. I have one icon on the middle of the screen. I click it. It's called iRacer Assistant. Open up the interface. I push one button and it opens up TeamSpeak, OBS, Sim Racing Apps, Joel Real Timing, the podcast script, my email, everything I want open, it opens all at once with one button push. And it saves me, I don't know, 25 clicks every time I start up my computer. So just that alone, it's, um, and uh, it does a lot of other things. Like if you're trying to switch easily between VR and monitors, this tool does it for you. By swapping out those I and I's. So check it out. It's definitely worth it. I liked it. Adam, you got a sneak peek at a new Sim Lab product. Yeah, they got some. It's um, Instagram here. It looks like Sim Lab EU has a new. Um, it's rig. not 8020. <laughs> no, it's not. It looks like it's made out of tubes. Looks pretty sturdy. Looks pretty comfortable, actually. F1 seating, kind of, but without the F1 chassis. Your feet, your feet are up above the seat. Yeah, your feet are above your butt, so to speak. And he's really kind of laying back. The wheel really up in your face kind of thing. Uh, tubular kind of design. I really like the platform it's kind of sitting on. It's more, I don't know, it almost looks like it's for style more than anything. Uh, some of the comments indicate that uh, it'll be D-Box ready too. Like you'll be able to bolt D-Box onto it. Uh, no prices yet. So that must mean it's pretty expensive. <laughs> Uh, also on Instagram, Wave Italy from Italy uh, put up a picture of their new Force pedals, and uh, boy, they look pretty sleek. Um, kind of neat looking. Um, I have no idea what they cost. Uh, this is kind of a, what I think is some kind of uh, prototype, but it's a two-pedal set. Uh, and we've talked about Wave Italy before, and uh, they do have other pedals, but this is their new one, so. We'll keep an eye out for those. Okay, and then we'll move to David. You got the uh, Sim Racing LED uh, kit. 
Yeah, it's a pretty neat little kit that you can throw up. It's a strip of LEDs that'll go all the way around your monitor. Uh, and it works with the Appy software for most sim uh, racing softwares, including the Sparter sim connections on uh, iRacing. And if you get towards the end of this video, first he shows you how to kind of put it together and gives you some tips. And at the end of the video, you can actually see it working. It's pretty nice. It's got you. You can see the spotter on the left and right. Down at the bottom, you can actually have the the tachometer running. So uh, neat little uh, LED strips that you can throw up. I'm tempted, even though I'm on VR, to put some kind of LED lighting on my rig just to enhance the stream, make my make my face glow different colors when it's under caution and stuff. Nobody wants to see your face glowing. I have the big 55-inch uh, monitor up above my rig. And this would be perfect or on the, around the edges of it, like this guy has it in the video. Kind of reminds me of Christmas lights, almost. Yeah. But uh, Carl Gosling did a nice little installation and review of the product on his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, so check out Carl. Uh, thanks, Carl, for putting that up. We've talked about Sim Racing Studio uh, before. Uh, they sell the wind kits that we've talked about. Uh, they sell the base shaker and butt kicker stuff, uh, and they have these LED things as well. Okay, and now we have uh, Tony Groves, a motion cockpit review. Yeah, this would go a whole lot better if I watched the video. Um, that's absolutely terrible, but um, fast forward, it looks like it's a whole, they're, they're building this whole video. It's an hour and 45 minutes. So, uh, with that being said, I would have watched that anyways. It's a long watch, but it's only part one too. Oh my Lord. Look at that. It is. So the build, duh, read, read the words. It's right there in front of your face. Um, yeah. Uh, it's the, uh, prosimi T1000 5M DOF motion cockpit. Um, this thing looks like an absolute beast. Like this isn't, um, looks like some fairly serious hardware they're putting together um but i imagine if you're going going motion you you want something real sturdy it looks like you can park a car on this thing and it'll shake that um there's a link to the product in the description of the video and when you click it and go to their website which is prosimu.com man that thing is and and you can see it's got the d-box style up and down on each corner it's got the slide left to right underneath that uh, kind of like that next level racing uh, traction loss one I, that we've been talking about for that's for six thousand uh, bucks, boy. But this one is really nice. Well, yeah, looking at some of those pictures that they got, showing like a, a side view, and I'm kind of wondering is that that um, uh, the D box setup? Like, how big are those actuators? I, they I stick guess up really to, high, don't they? Well, it looks like they would give you a lot of movement so i guess we're gonna have to wait till part two of this build video to to see this thing in action maybe but um if that's the case like that that's pretty serious i think we've seen them move that high but it looks like there's a lot of room um for movement so i guess we'll wait and see you almost gotta climb up in that thing it looks like it's 7500 euros which isn't bad considering that product i was just talking about just the bottom with no cockpit on it was six thousand dollars this has the D-Box, the cockpit, the seat, everything, and the thing on the bottom for 7,600 euros. Not bad, not bad. Let's go to the next spectrum of the cost, uh, $200 or less. Uh, Chris, we got some new pedals. Yeah, uh, Thrustmaster is coming out with some load cell pedals, the Thrustmaster TLCNs. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of 
fits with uh, their other products. Like they, it seems like it's fairly solid. It's not going to be anything like the the high end stuff, but it seems to be a solid product for you know for the rest of us. You know, for two hundred bucks, you get a load cell pedal set. Um, Sim Racing Garage has a really good hour long review of this, and I, he can he breaks it completely apart. And it seems like uh, most of the important bits are metal. I like guess it's it just and it kind of seems to be where where they kind of draw the line too, where this might, you know, if you have a, an unlimited budget, this probably isn't your pedal set, but for 200 bucks, it's a fairly solid load cell set. These are probably the cheapest, best pedals you can get now. You can get them on Amazon for $199.99, uh, Thrustmaster TLCM pedals. Now, See, guys, I... sorry, Chris, but now this is in my wheelhouse. Like, you know, your resident cheap bastard. Um, I'm digging it, but I know Chris that you said something about this diamond plating. It's it's murder on your heels, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have. So I have the T3PAs, and uh, they have that same diamond plate on them. And I ended up duct taping foam to that diamond plate because yeah, they're grinding my heels having on that diamond plate all the time. And honestly, I think the T3PAs are $150, and you can, those you can invert. You can use them inverted or not inverted. And I think that's the only thing that I'm missing from this. I'd rather have inverted pedals. And so for 200 bucks, I don't know, maybe get the T3PAs and add a load cell to them. But yeah, for 200 bucks, it's this seems like a pretty solid bet. Yeah, this is a floor base. It is pre-order on Amazon. It releases March 26. All right, Adam, let's go to the other end of the spectrum on the pedals. Tell us about the $1,500 HPP JBVs. All right. looks like Richard J. Hopkins has a review up on the forum about it. His uh, overall, he liked the pedals. The only really problem he had with it was the length of the wires. Okay. And these are the pretty blue ones that we've been talking about for several months now. Uh, this is the first review we've seen, but... Uh, you know, as far as the review, I mean, it did come in favorable, you know, as far as them being great pedals. And I do know one of our listeners, uh, uh, I think his name is Joe, he ordered some too, and he told us in a message uh, he got some of these. So, pretty cool. Okay, and then finally, Tony Groves, tell us about the Sim Magic. We might have a U.S. distro coming. Yeah, once again, I've got no idea what we're talking about here. Well, the Sim Magic—that's that uh, direct drive wheel knockoff from China, from Hong Kong. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, sorry, Mike, you're gonna have to walk yeah. through this one. So the story is uh, Jeffrey Ford is uh, in discussions with them about becoming a U.S. distributor of that product, and uh, as we've talked about before. You have to be very careful about who you're buying it from and you're getting it from the right place and this kind of thing. So apparently Jeff has bought a couple of the wheels. Um, he did a, a kind of a small review on them. He just basically said they're awesome. He said the actual wheel that comes with the base is really bomb. There's no wires. Everything is wireless. And, and, he, and he said the software is pretty basic. But he's trying to uh, arrange to be a distributor. Uh, if you don't know, Jeffrey Ford builds uh, computers. Uh, for iRacers, he sells them on Facebook, uh, basically. Um, but yeah. Now these ones here, though, they're—I I know they're uh, like a little bit cheaper than the regular direct drives, but I don't believe that they're all that much cheaper. I think they're what around like seven, eight hundred dollar mark. Yeah. Okay, so you know, with wheel. still, 
Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've had good and bad with uh, Chinese stuff. I find usually it's a lot of tinkering I have to do, but I don't know. I'd really like to see um, somebody break one of these down and and see what the guts are and the the quality of what's inside. I think that would be a, an interesting video. Yeah, Fair. we need uh, Barry Roland to get one, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that and that that could tell you if that you know that eight hundred dollars you're plunking down for this thing is is worth it because i mean if that thing breaks in a year you're gonna be butt hurt like crazy um rather than you know spend an extra couple hundred bucks and get something from a reputable name that we know and uh has got a um bit of a reputation right we'll, we'll know in the next couple of weeks because uh, there's at least a half dozen iRacers on the forums that have bought this uh, most of them are still waiting for it to arrive so uh we'll know soon and with that, let's get into results. Guys, the Daytona 500, let's go through it. Wednesday, fix. Tony Rochette, P7. He said, man, felt good to run this NIS again. Started seventh, stayed out of trouble. Didn't have much help on the final green flag run to catch the lead pack. Wednesday, open. Bobby Jonas, P12. Setup was great. Would have had a better start than 11th. Got a bit greedy on the tape. Race was going smooth until about 10 or 15. Got turned running in top 10. Got damage repaired. Had some shifter issues that set us back. Battled back to finish 12th on to Vegas. Nick Williams, P35. Great setup and ran up front, leading until a chain reaction of bad bumps from two cars. Back turned me head on into the straightaway wall while leading the field. A wreck magnet curse continues. Sorry, I didn't want to call you a wreck magnet. but uh, Adam, tell us about your race. Uh, that was, this is a testament to what you guys did building the setup, and I just tweaked on it, but that was the fastest car I've ever had at Daytona. Um, ended up P19, but the, I, I got it going really good on the track, but the only problem is, because of that, it wouldn't get off pit road very well, and that's when I would lose the draft from the adjustments I made. So unless we had a caution, I couldn't keep up and would lose a lap, but P19 fall like hell the whole race. Okay, and did... um. Do we have the wrong lower gear in? I, I kind of had that problem, too, getting off pit road where people were faster. Maybe we have the wrong gears in. I, th I think it was more of a handling problem. Oh. I'm guessing it's... We were handling a little bit better, so I'm guessing we had a little bit more downforce. Y'all were not running one that I ran. I had something a little different. Yeah. I ran yours, David. I ran David's set as well. Hmm. Greg, tell us about your race. Well, Mike, uh, you and I were both in that race. Um, I finished P14, but... I stayed out of trouble through that whole race and stayed in the top, probably with the top eight through that whole race. And with eight to go, um, I don't know, I was kind of mad, but, uh, you know, it was such a long race. The guy, I'm drafting a guy down the back straightaway, um, and then he pulls back in line, and then another guy shoots out, and the car that's right behind him shoots out with him, thinking that there's, I'm not there and basically takes me out. It kind of upset me because I'm like, you don't know that I'm there. We need to need to. I need. To, I should have sent the uh, ad for that spotlights to him, eh, David? Hey, it's really nice. I actually turned the spotter off at Daytona because the like the crew chief spotter just keeps saying they're there and they're there, they're there. So yeah, I just I told him to quit spotting. You see the red light? Yep. It's so much easier just to go with a visual cue. And you were in good shape, Greg, with a good car with no damage for the longest time. I mean, until you got. Well, we had what three green flag pit stops. Yeah, um, we ran probably what 100 and I think 120 laps there, green flag after the first I don't know the first 40 laps were caution. Yeah, but, my race was bad. I got 17th. Uh, I got wrecked up in a early incident. 
uh, that basically put my RPMs down a little bit. I had a little bit of damage, but it was enough to put me where I wasn't competitive, and it kind of sucked. David, let's talk about your race. As I told at the beginning of the uh, podcast, you won, P1. Uh, You are a Daytona 500 winner. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I spent the whole race kind of like Greg did. My my goal was basically to stay within the top five, top eight, not be overly aggressive, but not let myself get shuffled to the back. So if any any time that outside line would get going, I'd I'd move over there, get back up to around two or three. I kept staying. I didn't want to ever lead early on because I we were always right on this kind of fuel window where the leader was not going to make it, but everybody else was. So I was trying to stay second or third. Um, and it laid out, we, we had a final green flag stop and I found this, me and this 21 car twice ended up about five or six seconds after, after green flag cycles behind the lead pack. Um, and with my set and with his set, we were just insanely fast. Um, I could, I could push him all the way around the track just about, and, uh, I just barely had to back off every once in a while to let the car cool off just a little. And we would run him down in 10 laps. Uh, so we, we knew we could, if we hooked back up, we could catch up with it. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, we had a pit stop with, I think 20 to go green flag. And, uh, we just came up and just blasted by, by them with like five laps to go. And I pushed him until the final lap and a car behind me read my mind and coming off turn two, we made a move. And I, I, the guy that pulled me all the way to the front, I left him behind and took the wind. That's how it's done. Well done. Great way to start the season. Let's talk about to, uh, today's race. Uh, Chris, you also win the Daytona 500. This is your third 500 win in the three years. Yeah, this mine wasn't all that eventful. Unfortunately, I kind of played the conservative route and just rode in the back off of the lead pack, just kind of within drafting distance basically and just missed the cautions when they happened and with 50 or so to go decided it was time to go and i don't know that i had a good run on the outside with maybe 30 25 to go and got the lead and um, just stuck it there and we had a few more cautions it was actually a pretty clean race for the most part I mean, we had a few cautions but we still had probably 20 cars on the lead lap with maybe 50 to go but of course we kind of wadded them up after that and but yeah, once I had that lead with like 20 to go or so, it just the outside just never, never got a good enough run. Um, shout out to Jason, Jason Ashton, I think was the guy that um, was pushing me there at the end and and through a good chunk of those last 20 laps. I mean, you don't win one of those without somebody not doing stupid things behind you, and he was that guy. And I think he he uh, I saw the the picture of the replay, and it looks like he probably would have won that too if I would have. I didn't have um, John Hammer holler at, me, holler at me in TeamSpeak to dive it below the yellow line because between the run he had and what he would have had side draft me, he probably would have nosed me out because we probably would have been just about side by side if I would have been actually up on the track. So you had five or six spotters there at the end. We're all rooting for you. I think Hammer was in there and uh, Mark and, and me and uh, Joe, and, and we're all telling you what to do. Was it any help? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to screw it up when you have that much experience in there. How you telling you how not to screw it up? I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely a ton of help. And I've had, I think, just if I'm not mistaken, every one of those wins, I've had somebody there telling me how to win the race. Yeah, 
It, it, it gives you a little bit more confidence. You calm down when you, you have somebody saying, hey, you're doing it right. You're in the right place. This is what we're doing. Hey, good job. Uh, now, I won as well. I won my, my split. I ran with Chris, but I was in a different split. P1, I led the most laps. I was up front all day long. I was in control of the race. I won it. And uh, I won it in style, too. There was just two of us left at the beginning we actually had a 30-second lead over third and fourth and fifth. There were only five cars on the lead lap. I have no idea how it got that way. They were wrecking behind me ever so often. I think the front was the place to be because at least two or three times, the wreck happened like literally right behind me, like second and third take each other out. And I don't, you know. Uh, the other thing is I had 12X. The first 8X, I didn't even have any damage. I just kind of got bumped during an incident uh, no damage at all, but at 8X, I had another incident where a guy hit me under caution. It was another 4X to 12. I know there's a stop and go at 14, and man, I was worried about that as we got down at the end. If, you know, one more hit, and I would have uh, not won that race, but hey, I brought it home. Man, what a way to start the season. Man, I know during that race, you mentioned, um, is there a way to see somebody's incident points during a race? And I don't think there is. And that would probably be a good instance of why there isn't a way. And I hope, hopefully it stays that way because if that guy behind you would have known that you were that close on incidents, he could have just gave you good whack. That's why I asked that. I was thinking, is there some way he knows? Because if all he has to do is hit me once and I'm done. Mm, I think it shows up on Joe real timing. I Uh, haven't looked, but, um, uh, you can, the only way you can really see it is if somebody's spotting for you in the info page, is it not? Because that's how it shows them when you're doing like team races. I don't know. We need to look into that because that could be something to look at for strategy in these races, you know? Yeah, I don't think you want to go that way. That's protestable anyways. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, it's still a strategy for who, you know, maybe I don't want to be in front of this guy. <laughs> it's true. The more knowledge you have, the better. So Yeah. All right, let's talk a, a few other uh, races besides NIS. Uh, I ran the sprint car at Iowa the Sprint Pavement Car, on Tuesday nights. We've talked about this series before. It's official, but they organize and run on certain times to get a big group. And guess what? 17 cars in that race. I had a blast. I wrecked near the end trying to avoid a different wreck. Uh, just by letting off the gas, the car, just, you just lose it. I mean, it's so hard to drive, but that's what makes it so fun. But what a great group they have there. Uh, Dan Smith, Jeff, and those guys... They have a great page, uh, search Sprint Car, and you guys will find it. They publicize basically the day and the time. Come race with me. I'm actually going to plan on doing it every Tuesday after work uh, for the next few weeks just because it's a blast. All right, uh, David, Winter Series uh, wrapped up, right? Yeah, we had our season finale Monday. Uh, We ran at Miami. It ran caution-free. I came in P9. There was, I think, the 22 cars in the field. Uh, you know, and that was just how fast I was. I ran, I would run a couple of guys down and other guys were faster. You, you know, there's pros in there. So I'm pretty happy with the P9. I finished P12 on the season, even though I only got to count 12 or 11 weeks where some people got to count 12. Uh, and it's actually a paying position. So it was fun getting to run with those guys. I, you know, I don't get all the way up to top split that often in NIS. So it was, it was quite a kick. I, I feel, I feel bad that I, you know, committed to racing that never got a chance to really race at this uh 
um, winter. But uh, I, I thanks for Alan uh, to Alan for inviting me into it. I I hope he's not mad that I didn't get to show up much. Yeah, it's always next year. Uh, it's a great group over there. And then David, uh, Pacific Majors. Uh, we kind of treated that as a practice race, right? For yesterday. Well, yeah, you could say that, but um, I made top split on this. I raced my way in in a duel. You got the, you were actually spotting me on that one. Yep. Uh, so I got to run in the top split, and uh, I should have known this, but all of the races, all of the practice races they had 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 been really sloppy, a lot of guys that just couldn't hold their line. But all those practice races included guys from all different, all of the different regional time zones and not the guys who made the top split. And so I should have realized once I was in that top split with Ashton Crowder and Blake Reynolds and all those that it was going to run clean. And guess what? I laid back and kept... Uh, a couple of mistakes, never got the chance to get him back. After 160 green flag laps, I was down a lap and just could never get it back and finished 21st. Well, that shows you don't lay back because there might not be a caution. And that's what happened in that race. It kind of bit you. Yeah, it did. I think it does come down to who you're racing with because uh, uh, teammate Bobby was like, I'm never listening to you again because he's in a lower split and it was a wreck fest there. And if he'd have stayed back, he probably would have missed it. But these, um, you know, the, as you get into some of the upper splits, they are, especially particularly at the plate races, they are, they will take their time and be a little bit more careful. All right. And that's it. Let's get to final thoughts. Adam Jocelyn. Um, oh, there's a lot of hard work over the winter to get the I rating up, made a top split as the last car in the 500. So uh, hopefully going into next week, we can be in top split again. And I'm done with Daytona besides, um, running a NASCOM K and N league race Saturday night at 10 o'clock. So if anyone wants to come out and run on that, but, um, other than that, I'm just going to start testing for Vegas tonight. Goal was accomplished. You made the top split. So well done on yes, to sir. road to pro, right? Yes, sir. A few more weeks and, uh, we'll get rolling with that. Start to Daytona in the truck. So we're not completely done with Daytona. Okay. Very good. Chris scales. Final thought. And headed off to Old Bastards practice at Daytona and Xfinity car. So from the Cup to Xfinity, should be fun. Not done with Daytona yet either. All right. Nice win today, by the way. David Hall, uh, final thought. Uh, shout out to Snell Racing again. They actually promoted my charity on their most recent video. And while I'm at it, I'm going to go ahead and announce what my charity is. I have a Patreon site for my high school band. And um, I teach in a small rural Arkansas district where only a few of the kids in the entire school district really have any money at all. And uh, we get some budget support, but we uh, we always still need a little extra money to make sure the kids can actually afford to buy concessions when we go to marching contests and stuff like that. So um, patreon.com slash band, and you can go on there. And if, if uh, I stream all the time, so instead of supporting my stream, uh, support my actually real life band and throw a couple of dollars towards the CHS band boosters. All right, great cause. Uh, thanks to Annie for talking about it. And uh, she even uh, used some of your music, though, as the background music. That's right. We used it here on the podcast as well. And I just shot it over to them and said, hey, use it if you want it. And then in return, they promoted my, my charity. I didn't even ask. They just said, hey, what's your charity? And I, I gave it to them. Yep. And she was uh, congratulatory about our wins uh, earlier today for me and Chris as well. So thanks, Annie. Now, we uh, do have we do have a community. Sorry to jump back in. We do have a community race that she's running again this weekend. And I just tossed up a, a new, uh, in our group chat, a new legends paint they're going to be running the mazdas and the legends at the roval it's gonna be pretty entertaining and they broadcast it uh yeah i think is it apex racing is the broadcast partner for that all right greg hectus final thoughts 
Uh, just looking forward to the 500 uh, again tomorrow night. I'm gonna try it again. Man, was I exhausted today? I, I that went till just after midnight last night, and I had to be up at 3:30 in the morning. So, was on a couple hours of sleep, and then worked a four, uh, 13 hour shift today. So, <laughs> pretty exhausted. I'm gonna go to bed here soon. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people. I think it was most of our teammates that were watching my stream last night. But I appreciate everybody that was watching that race. It's kind of boring in the middle half of it, but um, almost got it done. I, I was a race-winning car. I just didn't get to, the, to try it at the end there. Um, but uh, I look forward to, to Friday night. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to say much on the podcast today because uh, David uh, put a task on me before uh, we got to the thing here, and I've been working on it in the background here. But uh, it's good to listen to the podcast today, and uh, we'll – We'll see you on the podcast next week. Okay, thanks, Greg. Uh, Tony Gross, final thought. Well, I guess I got to throw an apology firsthand. I've been a little uh, distracted tonight. Uh, I've got like one w- one side of my headset uh, past my ear, so I can listen to to what's happening at the duels. And obviously, they got rained out, but that uh, still distracted me. Anyways, can't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. Um, Want to mention out again about our fantasy league, the iRacers Lounge podcast uh fantasy league um through the nascar fantasy live uh you can access it through the website or the app we had a few listeners uh sign up and join us um we'd love to have a bunch more let's let's make this a thing and um we've got a couple more days before the season starts it's uh i've been doing it for a couple years now i love it it's 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 fun fun little deal week in and week out and uh you know good good for bragging right yeah, and just keep reminding me to do it. I always forget about it after a few weeks. But get in it, get in on it, guys, before the the season starts. That's the whole idea. All right, my final thoughts. Thanks to Judd uh, for coming on and telling us about uh, a bruzy, Judd Danielson, and then Evan Pasoko, the voice of eNASCAR, coming on. I've worked a deal with him to hopefully have him come on after every coke race and just help us review the race uh have some subject matter expert uh we're also planning taylor burris to come on to talk about the road to pro broadcast after each of those events and help us review those races so that's what's new on the iRacers lounge podcast for 2020 we're going to have some subject matter experts come on to help us talk those races uh man what a way to win the 500 i had so much confidence coming into this week I knew I could do it. I was leading the laps, and just can I bring it home at the end? And sure enough, I was able to, and it just love it when a plan comes together. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.